Guaranteed not to be on iRacing. Welcome back to IndyCar. It's season preview season on Motorsport 101. You know, I had exactly, uh, not, not the same execution, but the same basic idea for an intro. Did you not see that Motorsport Games has pulled themselves out of their financial debt? It's a, it's a working miracle, and they've posted an actual screenshot. It's totally not just assets that they have and rendered an artifact too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's a great sign of progress. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the comedically named episode four hundred and twenty of Motorsport. We are uh, we are smoking that Indy 500 double points pack. Mmm, it's delicious. Uh, wait, the double pack no longer exists. More on that later. But welcome to episode 420 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And it's season preview season here on Motorsport 101. We're starting a little bit early because IndyCar and Formula One, for some silly reason, decided to start the same weekend this year. Way to go, fellas. That was very clever of you. Anyway... Let's get into our 2023 IndyCar season preview right after we say hi to our host. First up, Cam Buckley. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going, you know, still uh, still don't really like walking right now, but, you know, is that it is. Is, is the groin in recovery? Uh, not really. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, plenty of massages. Also, we have hmm. Hunch <laughs> Finally, I'm back home. Good to have you back in the US of A. How was Dubai, my friend? Uh, Dubai was good. So is Abu Dhabi. You know, mm. after after a fortnight of Asia Le Mans series, I know everybody now under this format wants to call it the Middle Eastern Le Mans series or the ELMS Winter Series and whatever. That's fine. I like the racing. I had more fun than I thought this weekend. I got through two whole weeks of coverage without mentioning Nikita Maspin's name once in any written materials on any race reports or anything like that. Um, I got to stay in the hotel at Yas Marina Circuit. That was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> the big glowy one. The big glowy one. The, oh, you know what? that's actually, awesome. Like, They'll actually like change the lights. Like one of the teams uh, requested to do a photo shoot at night, and they were like, they asked the hotel, "Hey, could you change the lights on the outer shell of the hotel to match the color of our car?" And they did that. That's so cool. <laughs> it also helps that, like, you know, I don't get to stay in five star hotels that often, especially not on <coughs> someone else's bill. So, like, hey, mm. I'm gonna enjoy it. Um, mm. I came away with this thinking that. Um, rightfully so that bad f1 races at yas marina circuit or an f1 problem and you got a yas marina circuit problem yes i know the circuit's very sterile and not always that fun but i enjoyed the racing there i had a good time but i'm also glad to be back home i'm not glad to be jet lagged but you know we'll work through it <laughs> i mean i mean you say that but f1 at abu dhabi is the most talked about subject every week Wonder yeah, why. usually it, it, it trends for completely unknown reasons. Um, mm. <laughs> okay, so 
We're going to be talking about the 2023 IndyCar lineup, a little bit of Indy Next, not the wrestling promotion, their new feeder series as well, a bit of the calendar, and all of the runners and riders in one of the largest IndyCar seasons known to mankind. Um, I, I want to say 27 full-time 27 cars? full-time entries. Holy shit. It's the biggest IndyCar season I can remember since I became a fan. It's a huge roster. We're not going to waste much time uh, get before we get into it, but places you can find this real quick are on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, or on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to find our personal handles, you can at Dre underscore WTF1, at RJ O'Connell, and at Buckley 917 If you if you're lucky, so you can back us financially on Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks gets you early access to all of our episodes 10 bucks gets you into the uh, supporters club of our discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded like jason is right now shout out to jason and all of those details and much more can be found on our website motorsport101.com so without further ado let's kick off season preview season with the 2023 indycar season preview Okay, folks, you know the drill by now. We're going to go team by team down the grid. We're going to break down runners and riders, team situations, championship finishes from last year, and all the key storylines going into the 2023 season. We'll pause about halfway through for a calendar look, and we'll also talk a little bit about Indy Next as well. It's going to be a long one, so get the kettle on, because this is going to be fun. And Well, what better place, or should I say worse place, to start? Than AJ Foyt Enterprises. <laughs> Feels like this is how we start every year. And yeah, it's how we start every well, year. Well, when we traditionally, when we go to these series like ranking teams from, from least effective to most effective from the previous season, you know, if we wanted to commit and go like a full yearning tree style haters guide to IndyCar, uh, we'd open by calling this team the perpetual factory of sadness, where budding young talent goes to have their potential crush, and veterans looking for one more shot to prove their worth get sent to the glue factory. Fittingly, <laughs> in both the NFL and the IndyCar series, that factory of sadness has its headquarters planted right in the heart of Houston, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't really disagree with that. I mean, we talk about it every year. Foyt just... No matter who you plug into the driver's seats, no matter who you pick up for engineers, no matter what they have for an engine, whether it's the engine in form or the engine that isn't, they always just kind of stink. Yep. So break it down this year. In the number 14 car, and yes, surprise, surprise, Foyt has cleared out the decks again. Uh, oh, no. Santino Ferrucci's back. Oh, and he's back the Freedom full time. from Consequences Tour rolls on full time this season. Oh, why? Why are we doing this again? But don't uh, worry. He's got his big, warm, comfortable, cuddly weighted security blanket here to help him. More on that in a bit. Yep. And his teammate in the number 55 car is uh, Benjamin Pedersen from last year's Indy Light season. He was he had a win there, uh, was top five in the championship last year. Um, so he's moved up alongside uh, Santucci in the in the 55. 
there's a reason why it's 55. It's worth addressing. It used to be 88. And well, if you know anything about right wing politics, you'll know the political association and affiliation of having the car numbers of 14 and 88. Why the hell did, how the hell did no one notice that? Somebody was, somebody was a big fan of Tony Stewart and Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the early 2010s. That's what it was, right? Right? Uh, my favorite plate track combo, Tony Stewart and Dale Jr. Yeah, mm. I mean, leanings of Santucci aside, they really don't have a lot of excuses on ovals, do they? They have Michael Cannon and Santino Ferrucci, who, as much as we roast him here, and as much as he's pretty mid on road courses, he is pretty good at the whole oval thing. Not that there's a whole lot of those on the schedule anyway, but I digress. Um, And Pedersen is... Fine. He's fine, but when you look at Kyle fucking Kirkwood last year mm. with the most glittering junior record going into IndyCar that we've seen in years, and he did, well, a whole lot of nothing other than overdrive, poor equipment, and crash said poor equipment. What yeah. is Pedersen going to be able to do? Is it Peterson or Pedersen? Is it is it Pedersen? We'll figure it out. What Feel I do free to know, roast us in the comment sections of wherever you get this podcast. Sure. He is a very interesting case either way. His main background comes from, of all places, the leading independent site for rally news and features, and that would be Dirtfish. And he took one of their performance driving schools earlier in his career. Now, he's also a guy who is so rooted. He is so much a Seattle dude that he probably carries a 12th man flag in the cockpit at all times. But if his rotation in a CD player to be solely Pearl Jam and Allison Chains, if they couldn't make <laughs> Kyle Kirkwood work for them, I'm like, I'm worried for Benjamin Peterson because, like, look at what look at what happened. With, do you remember Mateus Leist? Yeah, this is the place where young talent goes to suffer. Um, and the last win for them will have been 10 years ago with Takuma Sato. Yeah. AJ Foyt Racing loves picking up prototypical AJ Foyt guys, guys who just go out there and thrash a car by the scrap of their neck, take no prisoners, take no shit. Santino Ferrucci is pretty much that guy turned up to 12 with bad hair. Mm. But all the other perfect AJ Foyt guys, Tony Kanan was like that. Sebastian Bourdais was a little bit like that, but... Uh, I don't. And even like after the first year of Takuma Sato, it didn't really work out. I want things to be better for this team, but you know, I, I, I it's just tough for me to th- like get optimistic about them Un- until proven. Otherwise uh, I have no reasonable reason to be optimistic about this team. Yeah. Like I, I kind of in this, like, they might get some oval results here and there. The problem is there's only four ovals on the calendar now. Like they're, they're thinning that pot down. You're, you're absolutely right. Santino Ferrucci, if, if say what you will about him, he is an excellent oval racer. The, the last, last time two he- years of him hmm. being the super sub for various teams had us all shouting like Jesse Pinkman, we can't get away with it! Exactly. And the last time he raced an IndyCar full-time, which was back in 2019 now, Three times on ovals, he finished in the top five. The man knows how to wheel it around an oval, and that is something that a lot of teams could do with right about now, 100%. Um, So, look, I get it. There will always be a degree of upside in signing someone like Santino Ferrucci for that very reason, but 
it's still for me the weakest team in the field. I think for overall talent, him and like Benjamin Pedersen is fine, but I, he didn't set the world on fire in Indy Lights. Um, he's got he gets better good- as the season went on. At least he wasn't he did. Like, terrible. But again, it goes back to the point of like if you couldn't make Kyle Kirkwood work for you. Exactly. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you get anything out of Benjamin Peterson. Kirkwood was arguably the best prospect the road to Indy has ever produced, and he was dreadful on results last year. That's the problem. Like, like, like Kirkwood was the second worst of all the full timers last season. The only person worse was Dalton Kellett, who was in the same team anyway. Um, and yeah, that's what worries me because Pedersen is not Kirkwood. And Kirkwood got chewed up and spat out, and Andretti had to throw out the lifeboat earlier than anticipated. More on that later. But I do worry about like like, like it's Foyt. So where's the hope and enthusiasm? It doesn't exist. As far yeah, as I mean, it's, look, look, got my excited about AJ Foyt bringing together a young lineup like this. It was Carlos Munoz and Connor Daly. We had so much hope in it, and it all fell to shit. Yeah, mm. I mean, that's even despite picking up Michael Cannon, who, by the way, engineered Scott Dixon for the last few years. <laughs> He's yeah. pretty good. Like, if there is anyone on this planet who knows how to engineer a car, especially at the 500, it's mm. him. And I still can't see them getting anything, like, even on even on ovals, where I think they will be st- proportionally stronger than they will be on road courses. Are they going to be beating Ganassi? No. Are they going to be beating Andretti, provided Colton Herta doesn't wipe out his primary car? Debatable. Mm. On short ovals, are you beating Penske? Fuck no. No. It's just hard to see where they can really steal any big results to get big points on the board. Should we talk about Jinkos a little bit? I want to talk about a team that actually has upside. Callum Eilat back for his second full season. And Augustin Canapino. Rookie out of Turismo Carretera, a series that proves history predates the Second World War. Yeah. For those who aren't quite up in your South American racing, it's basically the Argentinian stock car championship um, for what it's worth. And after 15 years out there, he's making the switch to IndyCar because it's got nothing to do with Junkos' Argentinian affiliation. But yes, he's in the 78 car alongside Canamila in the 77 car. Junkos now has two cars for the full season um, in 2023. I mean, looking back on it, it was a good, if a little unspectacular rookie season from Canamide last season. Two top 10 finishes. Um, probably would have been in the top six or seven at Laguna Seca if it wasn't for that last engine blowout right at the end of the year. It was a damn shame he qualified on the front row that day. It was really the coming home party for Canamide, and it was completely ruined um, through no fault of his own. He's certainly fast enough to make more second rounds in qualifying and actually stay in the top 10 next season. Um, so, And I think Cannon will certainly be one to watch in that regard. But there'll be a lot of eyes on Augustin Canapino, a surprise candidate for the now expanding two-car team. After 14 years and four championships in Turismo Carretera, as RJ alluded to, um, I mean, RJ, how do you feel about this one? Because... I'm not going to lie, when this was first announced, it felt like a bit of a homer pick. I mean, that's that's not an unfair assumption. Obviously, Augustin Campino comes in with very little, if almost no, open-wheel experience. He's racing in something that's roughly the equivalent of NASCAR, V8 supercars in Australia, even though they're not V8s, pre-GT3 DTM, uh, 
There is one frame touring cars that kind of sort of look like production cars, but really aren't. Yeah. It, it's it, it's fair to expect that a driver like that is not going to really make much of an impact, but Dre, there is one problem with that worry. Oh, He wasn't shit in the preseason test at the Thermal Club in California. Oh, yeah, he was, actually, he was, was kind he was of actually competent. quite fast. Yeah, like, were, well, 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 the thing is with that, RJ, is that those are bespoke racing cars. They're not yeah. like it's it's not and, and not in the sense of like like how NASCAR is where they're actually heavier than the production cars uh, that they're usually based on. But yeah. they are a bespoke racing car. And there are some things that you're going to be able to bring over to driving something like an Indy car. Um, and yeah, preseason test. He was solid, if unspectacular. But yeah, for the first test out of twenty seventh, but not terrible. For a first test in an open wheel car, not too bad. I'm not going so far, and Canapino himself is keeping that potassium taste is modest. I'm not going to so go so far as to say this is the new Scott McLaughlin, because Scott McLaughlins don't grow on trees. But I'd be more charitable to him than to say he's the next Jimmy Johnson either. Uh, and we love me some JJ, but IndyCar did not, and him did not work out well on most road courses. And as it turned out, Cal Myla doesn't hate being here. In fact, I'd say he's having a bit of fun elevating himself and the team around him. But for my money, if he doesn't break his hand at the 500, you have a better shot of Rookie of the Year honors. And I'm expecting more and more improvement as time goes on. You know, in all our, our eyes, this is always the little upstarts that could. Nobody's going to forget Kyle Kaiser bumping Fernando Alonso out of the 500 in 2019. I know I certainly won't, mm. but since they've come <laughs> back from the dead, thanks to Brad Hollinger's investment in the team. And remember, this is a guy who was best in Formula One organizations. He's got big ambitions in this, too. This is a team that wants to be more along the lines of a team that started off as underdogs and then grew into a perennial threat for wins and podiums. Yeah, I mean, can't really disagree with any of that, RJ. I mean, this team is really all about quality rather than quantity, including in their dollars. So they are one of the minnow teams, but they've been able to kind of get blood out of a stone in IndyCar. Um, you know, it really it really hurt their progress in 2019 when they basically rode off two cars in the space of a week and it effectively killed the team. Um, but since they've come back from the dead, just little steps forward every weekend, every signing, they get more sponsors. They've now expanded to a second car. Everything seems like it's it's not a precipitous, you know, jump, mm. but there's always a little bit of forward progress with Yonkos. There's certainly promise here. Um, and they've got a very talented driver to lead that front. If there's more days like Laguna Seca at the end of last season, then they're going to be one to watch next year. Um, I lot was high up those uh, timesheets at the Thermal Club. Yeah, we know Callum Eilat is nothing but quality behind the wheel. Yeah, a guy that should have really been in Formula One um, and was unlucky not to have been. But again, another case of it being Formula One's loss, potentially being IndyCar's gain. He's an immense talent. Canapino looks promising as a rookie, which is always a good sign. He doesn't look like he doesn't look like ass, which is already more than my own expectations. So that's good. Um, so yeah, Hollinger making steps in the right direction with Jinkos, two cars, 
good performances last year in sporadically, hopefully a bit more frequently in 2023. But so just, baby steps in the right direction. Say just maintain the momentum you had through last year, and no one will consider that a failure of a season. Agreed. Um, so if you can get, like we talked about, like you said with Laguna Sig, if you can get two or three results like that out of your season, mm. you might catch a big sponsor's eye. Who knows? Yeah, airtime is important. Um, Dale Coyne, um, who've got big collaborations on both their cars. The number 18, David Malukas, is uh, back with obviously HMD Motorsports. Um, and the number 51 is still the Rick Ware racing car. But there's a new name in the 51. Takuma is gone. More on him in a bit. Um, Stingray Rob is coming over from Indy Lights last year. He graduates into the 51 seat um, alongside the David Malukas in the 18. Now, my first thought going into this year for them was, well, what does year two look like for what we now affectionately call Bus Cousin? Um, a team I think is still in a little bit in rebuild mode at the moment. David Malukas is back for his second season after some real promise as a rookie. That second at Gateway is still one of the drives of 2022, and they'll be hoping he can channel a lot of that raw speed he showed in the second half of the season. Um, I joked all year long in the middle of last year that David Malukas drove after the 500 like like Jimmy Johnson literally owed him money, um, <laughs> which you could argue he did. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. And, yeah, Malukas was very quick at times last year. Um, joining Malukas, as mentioned, Stingray Rob, the 21-year-old American and 2022 Indy Light Series runner-up last year. Early um, IRL ass name. <laughs> I, I, lo I love Stingray Rob. I love the name. It's beautiful. SRR definitely took a step forward, and a lot of eyes will be on him, given he beat series champion Linus Lumpfist to the job due to the latter's shafting on the prize money. No pressure, kid. Um, so, yeah, like, there, there was talk about this, because this was the seat that Linus was eyeing up, but we all know the story. Um, it's in Indy Lights. I think part of the rebrand might have had something to do with the fact that, you know, Half the prize money went missing uh, yeah. towards the end of last season. And that that sucks. It sucks for Linus Lundquist. That was because, horrible for him. <sighs> uh, and now they've now they've sorted out their prize money situation again. So that just means that like Linus Lundquist just caught the shit out of the stick. Uh, hopefully he'll be rewarded sometime down the line with the drive that is worth his talents. Stingray Rob is an interesting dude. This is a guy who, when he first came out of the scene, had to had to correct people and say, no, my name is not Ray Rob. It's Stingray Rob. He's not named after the famous Corvette trim level, but it's shorthand for the town in Scotland where his ancestors lived. He's managed by Alexander Rossi's dad. He grew up in the same town in Idaho as baseball legend Harmon Killebrew, and his Ooh. Wikipedia page has a section about his Christian faith that paints him as IndyCar's William Byron, but without the glittering CV that Byron had before he straightened, jumped straight into the Hendrick 24 car on debut. It took him four seasons to win USF Pro 2000, formerly Indy Pro, formerly Pro Mazda. He was almost forgettable his first year of Indy Lights, then turned it up and finished runner-up last year. One thing I will say is that of the three rookies that are running every race this year, he's in the best environment to finish best of all of them. Agreed. Okay, yeah. How do I know this? Look at the other side of the garage. I mean, even ignoring David Malukas for a minute, what have we always said about Dale Coyne? 
they are ex- they are exceptional at developing young race car drivers. They did it with Alex Pelot. They they nurtured in Romain Grosjean. They had a couple of outstanding results in the 51 car when he was there. They did it with Ed Jones. Um, his rookie season in IndyCar was excellent. He, you know, he led multiple laps at the 500. He really should have been. Connor Daly was there as well. Um, and Malukas Daytona is- 500 alum. <laughs> More on oh. that in a minute. Um, but yeah, like they've developed some very good rookie and younger drivers as a entity since rolling up in IndyCar. And Malukas is no exception. And there's no reason why Stingray Rob can't be another one of those guys, RJ. Oh. Absolutely. I want to talk about Malukas a bit because mm. I think he took being labeled as the other Indy Lights graduate very personally. And I think he took not being named Indy 500 Rookie of the Year personally. Uh, he went out and damn near won a gateway and was contending for a series Rookie of the Year all the way into the last weekend of the season. Now, unlike Ed Jones, who I would say got rushed up to big team way too soon, uh, he's not rushing himself up to into a big team too soon. I Staying here is good for him. If he avoids a second-year slump, He'll be the first race winner that Dale Coyne has had, who is not a bespectacled Frenchman since 2014. And unlike Carlos Huertas in the glamorous parking lot of the Houston Tetson Stadium, it always comes back to the Tetsons for some reason, I don't think it would be an almighty fluke if it happened. No, I mean, my, my, I think I have faith in Malukas because, I mean, he had so many just great performances last year and times where he was just outperforming the team arguably over driving a little bit over the limit. And we saw mm. that manifest a couple of times, but you know, rookie incidents and all that. Mm. My question is just how high is their ceiling? Because we know Dale coins floor is always reasonably high for what they are as one of the smaller teams in the sport. I want to see Malukas win a race this year. And I just don't know if Dale coin on the same without playing some insane offset strategy that they luck into getting to work. Mm. I don't know if they're capable of going out and taking a win on pace. I don't think they're going to win a race on pace. I would, and I think that might be too high a target for them. I mean, yeah, Malukas had that second at gateway. And if that race was one lap longer, he probably wins. Um, but I, w- I also would say like, that was probably a one-off. And I would say if they can regularly get into the top 10 and get Malukas into the occasional fast six, that would be very good progress. Um, he did that a couple of times last year. It would go yeah, as in yeah. crack, crack in the fast six. But I, I think he could do that a lot more frequently because his raw speed is immense for Malukas. If you can just channel that into race trim a little bit more, I think there is a very, very fast driver here. The fact that Chip Ganassi was sniffing about Manukas and his contract situation when the Polo incidents came up, there's clearly eyes on Malukas already. Well, we know that Chip likes winners. He does like winners. We, we do know this. Uh, the, wanna, reason why I, the reason why I have that as a target for them is that we see the flashes. Mm. Every, every year you think, one little step more, maybe Dale Coyne snags that win. Hmm. I think I want to they, see that last step. I think Dale Coyne occupies a very, very unique niche within the IndyCar landscape is that 
they they are an under-resourced team. Have you looked at their headquarters? It's basically a shed on the outskirts of Chicago, and yet they're capable of outperforming the likes of AJ Foyt Racing, the weakest links at Andretti Autosport, the weakest links at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, and that's not really a surprise. They'll probably never, ever be championship contenders, but you know they get the most out of what they have. And that's always admirable. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing where that goes with Dale Coyne in 2023. And yeah, near two of Malukas is going to be very exciting, I reckon. Let's go to the other Acuras. Um, no, sorry, Mayor Shank Racing um, on that one. It's uh, it's our friends in pink and black. Um, Helio Castroneves back for another year in the number 06. Flip the numbers around, numbers in the 60. That's Simon Pagano. My key question going into this was, so what's plan B for this 500 death lineup? Because we all know what the game plan low-key was. We're not silly. You had Helio. He won you a 500 two years ago. They were like, let's see if we can retain it. It was a good 500. Just wasn't a great 500. They finished 7th and 8th last year, where that's concerned. Um, Over a full season, there are question marks about this team. I think that's fair to say. Helio struggled on road and street tracks. I mean, it's kind of a natural thing. He is 47. There's no getting around that. Um, and they splashed a lot of cash, and they made a big deal about bringing in Cam's beloved Simon Pagano. Kind of flamed out a bit last year. I mean, at the one big podium at Indy's road course, not much else. Um, a, a season of okay, but nothing special for most of it. Yes. Um, it reminded me of his first year at Penske. Yeah. Yes. Can't just, it would have been real good at the 500 without the engine misfire. I digress. Mm. Mm. Um, actually, no, that was the year he got his front wing knocked off. I was saying the I, next year. I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah. for this team, and especially given the standard that their endurance racing team is now setting, where they are still furious at Ryan Eric King over his pre Daytona comments. <laughs> and are making it everyone's problem. Yeah, their IndyCar program is, again, okay, but very middle of the road most of the season. Um, I don't I, really know yeah. what to expect out of them. I'd but, argue it should be a little bit better with a driver of Simon Pagano's quality in it. I agree with you. And I, I agree, I, and... Being at the Roulette st- uh, 24 at Daytona, uh, I don't know how much I got into this when we were actually talking Daytona, but everybody came away very and very impressed with the way that Simon Pagano drove individually in the winning car. Everyone except Joseph Newgarden, incidentally. Mm. Yes, I know yeah. LMDH prototypes are not Indy cars, but this felt like his get right race because it was a tough, tough end of the season for him. Um, this yes, I looks, mean, even yeah. even previously, like Pagano in prototypes was always or er, er, lately because he was mega in the late 2000s. But mm. the last few years always been good, but not great in prototypes. Um, this Daytona was the first time I've seen him in a prototype really be that guy since really like 2011. Yeah. With uh, with the Peugeot program. <clears throat> I wonder, like, is it time for him to go after another decent young hotshot? Because it's hard not to make the comparison 
to the previous iteration of this team when it was only one car, and they had Jack Harvey. And we were massively impressed with what Jack Harvey did with this team. They a have a lot more than what Jack did at Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. More on that later. But uh, yeah, like the funny thing is that they have another driver potentially that they could manifest into the seat in the future. Yeah. And that person won them their, their second Rolex <laughs> in a row. And that was Tom Blomqvist. Yeah. You know, uh, son of Stig Blumquist, namesake of Top Gear's main character. You know, I heard about 10 years ago, nine, 10 years ago, he raced in a series called European Formula 3 and mm. finished the year second in the standings, uh, just ahead of some Dutch teenager whose dad was a famous driver or something. Uh, Mac- Mac something. Yeah, might be worth checking out if and when Elio decides to call it uh, a second career. You know, for my money, Elio Castro Castro Neves is the greatest driver that has never won a series championship. I know he's not going out in 2023 lifting the Astor Cup, but I think we'd at least all love to see Elio get at least one decent crack at a, at a fifth Indy 500 win. The, if the not thing winning. is, right, right, RJ, he was still very good at the 500 last year. Yeah. And I mean, from a pretty poor qualifying effort, they were able to get both cars up into the top oh, yeah. 10. Mm-hmm. So fi- as far as the 500 is concerned, Elio is still that guy. And well, he always was. But if I were to propose something for this team to do, it would probably be to get Elio in a third car for the 500. Agreed. And make Blomquist the main guy in the 06. Or at, I like least, or at least split the 06 where Helio just does the ovals if Tom's not sure about wanting to be the oval guy. Because I know some drivers, a lot of them from European backgrounds in racing, aren't keen on the oval, which is fair enough. It's understandable. Why, not, why not split the 06? Because uh, ask Tom on that one, because if nothing else, to not let Tom Blomquist get away to another team because he is unbelievably good he's so good he made the entire field look silly at daytona yeah he's incredible i I watched him during daytona he is insane he was unflappable at the front of the field towards the end of that rolex untouchable won them the race at the end when it mattered most um he's insanely fast he's a he's an incredible talent do not let the Formula E run fool you. He was in a shit team there. Do, and do not let anything else distract you from the fact that the man can wheel. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think they could be missing an opportunity by not at least giving Blancfist the road and street courses in the 06. Because honestly, I don't see what Helio's giving you as a, full, as a full-time driver. As an oval guy like Ed Carpenter? Absolutely. Yeah, no problem with that whatsoever. And and I mean, we saw again last year, he was still putting on some superb moves to cut up through the field. It's just no one was beating Ganassi on the day. And when you start that far down at the 500, yeah, yeah, you have 500 miles to catch up, but it's also not as easy to pass as it used to be with the previous gen cars. No, absolutely not. I I, I think they're missing a trick with, with, with Tom on this one, I think. And they better hope they can, he stays loyal because that we're starting to see a, a trend in general where more 
talented, you know, drivers in their mid twenties that they know they're probably going to never end up in F1 are getting IndyCar testing opportunities. We're talking about one of them later on with the Ganassi crew. Nick Cassidy has been offered tests, and we know Cassidy is fast. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine if Chip Ganassi steals Tom Blomquist? <laughs> God help us all. Cancel Christmas. It's over. Um, f- forget it. Like, like, holy shit. Like, don't get me wrong. The guy they have brought in is very talented. And, like, yeah. again, could be a high upside guy from Formula 2. We'll get to him in the second half of the show. But, yeah, um, f- there's opportunities here. And we have walking case studies like Canamilot um, and others, you know, like Christian Lingard, which we'll talk about in a minute that have proven that, yes, the guys coming out of, the, of Europe are still more than good enough to weed it in IndyCar. And yeah. and the teams are going to go to that well more frequently, especially with the grid now as big as it is. Well, um, well on the point, like, as RJ said, Ella, the Acura ARX 06 is not an IndyCar, but fast drivers are fast drivers. Precisely. And uh, Meyer Shank has a plethora of them waiting in, in the wings. Indeed. Meyer, uh, Michael Shank... The shank of Meyer Shank Racing does not fancy himself as plucking underdogs. He fancies himself, he fancies his team as competitive, and I would love to see them take that step forward. I have faith that Simon Pagano can take that step forward just like he did I, in the I second I hope year. so. Mm. I really hope so, because oh. ever since ever since the aero screen came into play, Simon's just never really been the same in IndyCar. I mean, don't get me wrong. That 2021 Indy 500 final stint. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That, that, that good shit. But other than that, it's been kind of anonymous for Simon. And we know Simon is better than this because he's the guy who was throwing hands with Joseph Newgarden less than four years ago. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Ed Carpenter racing next up. Uh, uh, our friends and yours, the Bitcoin boys, as I like to call them. In the number 20 car, Renus VK. I just spun on my chair. Um, <laughs> in the 21 seat, Connor Daly is back. It's a, it's a, I've cut to the chase. It's, it's a retained lineup um, for, for them. So VK in the 20, Daly in the 21, and Ed Carpenter in the 33. He's just, as always, doing the ovals, including the 500. Wait, is, is v- I thought VK was in the 21. Did I, did I get him the wrong way around? I might have done. Yeah, yeah. Vicky's in the twenty-one. Connor Daly's in the twenty. But anyway, you slice it. Fascinating team. Hmm. Um. <laughs> hmm. My key question going into this was: so you actually got to keep Renus VK in the end. Now what? Um, because this this was because this they were in an interesting place last year in the sense of. When the Alex Pillow contract debacle was going down in 2022, the number one name on the board that could potentially have taken the 10 seat, and we were drawing red circles around them on that conspiracy theory chart on the wall, was Renus VK. It's all connected. Exactly. Um, but in the end, when it was all said and done, Renus chose to stay. He signed a new multiple-year extension at Ed Carpenter Racing, and they actually were able to keep him. So, um, yeah, um, a, a good coup for Ed Carpenter to keep Renus VK, who had a lot of interest from teams like Chip Ganassi and McLaren, very good teams um, in IndyCar, but they were able to hold on to him. And look, you don't need me to tell you that Renus VK's upside is immense. We know how fast he can be, and it's worth pointing out he's a 500 specialist. 
there is not many of those sorts of drivers in this field. A guy that almost every year he's been at Indianapolis, he has been one of the five or so fastest guys in the field and a genuine contender for the win. That in itself is incredibly valuable. But I mean, he was to that effect, this this team are 500 specialists. They're, they're very the, good at it. They the, always the, happen. Brilliance, the brilliance of Renus is that he can take that, that ability and he can take it anywhere. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, he was the only Chevy that made the fast nine. He is fast, Renus VK. And Connor Daly, look, say what you will about him, was excellent at the 500 last year, finished in sixth in his hometown race, his best ever finish at Indianapolis. Um, it's a shame that that was kind of the highlight of his season. There really wasn't a lot to write home about otherwise. I know it's easy to joke that he is the bad luck Brian of American motorsport, but it is a bit weird that we're now talking about Daly's age 31 season. He's, he's been around for so long, and I think he's driven for nine different teams now in IndyCar. Like, is this it for Connor Daly? Is this the ceiling on him as a race car driver now? Because... He's, his career's kind of at a crossroads here. I mean, what do you reckon, RJ? I think he'll take the the bulk of last year outside the 500. I think he'll take that over whatever the hell his Daytona 500 experience was. <laughs> I say, uh, the grid is not big enough in IndyCar, despite it being an all-time uh, big grid. For uh, him to finish worse than he did in the 500 at Daytona. Uh, him with the only car that bounces more than a 2022 Mercedes. What? I don't understand. this. Uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather's team was kind of okay. Not like Hendrick or 2311 or Gibbs or anything, but they weren't like terrible their first year. What the hell happened? But, but that's for our Daytona 500 episode. Maybe if we get around to it. Uh, whenever Ed Carpenter decides that he's done being our generation's Gary Bettenhausen, <laughs> the fastest guy from Indiana who was always quick at the 500 but could never win it despite years and years and years of trying, Connor Daly's got that spot on lock for as long as good health and a dodgy title sponsor avoiding an FTS-level collapse will allow. That's not a bad <laughs> niche to occupy, of course. People connect with this dude. I just worry that he's hit his head on the ceiling hard enough to enter concussion protocol. Oh, <laughs> for Whoa. God's sake. Oh, no. That, that, that would be a very Connor Daly way of missing a race. Just just saying. You know, bad luck Brian and all that, you know? There's just it's not just, a lot for me to say about this team. It's just sort of there. Like, They're just sort of there, except for the 500, where they are always fast, but can never quite execute the race. You know who they are? They're this generation's team, Menard, and that's fitting because the the roots of this team, I think they go back to Vision Racing, who goes back to Team Menard. Uh, yeah, and that's not really uh, as far as actual success. That's not really a good lineage to have. Oh, don't worry. They will still build you a fast car at the 500. Will they win it? Who knows? Mm. Mind your own business. <laughs> Let's put it to you this way. You've got that. They are a 500 specialist team. Renus VK is an excellent 500 runner, but he's not had a really outstanding 500 yet in his career. And that kind of sums up Renus VK's career. He has won. He's one of the youngest IndyCar Indy winners of all time. Uh, he's still only 22, as RJ points yeah. out in our show notes. He's still a baby in IndyCar terms. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you do start to wonder... 
because I, I, I saw like maybe it was unfair to give him the new garden projection when he was at this team half a decade ago. Um, but you have to wonder, like you f- you feel like he's better than twelfth overall. Is that it's, fair to say? It's a matter of just stringing it together. It's putting it all together to make a serious run at the championship, or at least finish top five, top ten of the points. It, uh, this team has not had a dude like this since Newgarden graduated to Penske Academy. And even when Newgarden was winning races for this team in 2015 and in 2016, it still felt like he could only go as high as Ed Carpenter slash CFH Racing could carry them. Yeah, there was always a bit, a bit of a feeling. That it might be the same for Renus, but then the problem with that is Renus just tied himself down to this team for at least another two years. So it's like, well, okay, cool, you're still here, but now what? Um, he's not running out of time. It's strange. Like, he's not running out of time because, again, no. he's only 22 years old, but, you know, I think people would like to see him at a team with more resources behind them. Uh, you know, at some point before it gets too late. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's all fair to say. And good luck to Wade Carpenter, who's bound to give the 500 another go. He'll probably make the fast nine and end up finishing like 10th or something. Because yeah. that's a Carpenter for you. Um, yeah, we just wouldn't have it any other way. We love Uncle Ed. Uh, right. Rahul, Space Cadet Ed. Rahul Letterman Lanigan Racing. Oh, by the oh way, that's, Lord. That's Space Guardian Ed Carpenter to you. Um, <laughs> the official title. Um, Rahul Letterman Lanigan Racing. And now uh, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting team to talk about. Uh, Graham Rahul back in the 15 car as ever. Um, but there's been a swap of seats. Uh, Jack Harvey is now going to be in the 30 car. That was Christian Lingard's car last year. And Lingard's now going to be in the 45 car that Harvey was in in 2022. We might remember him last year as being the Rookie of the Year in a narrow fight with David Malukas. Now, I put in my notes here, can they bounce back from a horrible expansion? This year was the year that the RNL went to three cars and they were largely mid, at best. They they were largely mid. Uh, the, the weird thing about last year is that Graham Rahal was more consistent than ever, but while his floor got higher, his ceiling got lower. He yeah, scored did, no podiums and no wins when he's usually good for a win or two a season. Yeah, a win or two, at least three or four podiums. And like, nope, didn't get any of them. His best result was fourth last year. Um, but Rahul was, is, yeah, it's weird. For, and, and, for... <coughs> Ow. <laughs> go on, Cam. Hey, go, go on. I'm no, I was gonna say, no, I was going to say, like, Rahul was... 11th overall last year and again we know how good graham ray hall can be it, it wasn't that long ago he was the best honda in this championship dre dre i'm gonna stop you there dre that was 2015 this is a problem it's, it's like a, it's that's 20, how it's you know how you know where honda's formula one program was in 2015 Look at it now. <laughs> good, good, good uh, point. Um, that yeah, is not it's even looking to get back into blood with the McLaren. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Then, then uh, no, no, no. Now it's McLaren Red Bull. Yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a weird time. What? Yeah. The, imagine telling someone McLaren will be supplied engines by Red Bull in 2011. Yeah, Formula One is fuckery. Um, anyway, um, yes. more on them next week. But uh, yes. Um, 
Rahul is Rahul. Harvey had a horrible 2022. Jack Harvey was pound for pound, I would say, the worst driver in the series last year. Yeah, and you know what? He he was. Mm. I I have to finish this. Mm. He was awful wheel to wheel. Yep. He was slow. Mm -hmm. He was mistake prone. Yep. And the one or two times he actually was fast, he threw it away. Yes. And that's all by his own admission uh, yeah. in a in a in a, in a feature piece that just went up on the race uh, featuring Jack Harvey, who said, yeah, uh, I don't think that's an oversimplification. I think that's the truth. They yeah. were under they were understaffed. They just had a big recruiting drive to bring a bunch of people to help fortify all three of the teams that they had. And they were just having a fundamental issue that they couldn't get their head around and Lundgaard was just the one driver who could really adapt despite all of it. Mm. He's better than that. He's way better than this. We and we're not know. just saying that because he's been on our show before. No, we, we love. No, we love Jack Harvey not just because he's a friend of ours, but also because he's a damn good racing driver and he's proven in even smaller teams than the one he's in right now that he can wheel an IndyCar at a very high level. Um podium level challenge for wins level that's how good we know jack harvey's ceiling can be so to see him essentially demoted in terms of promotion to the 30 car which was the third car they brought in as an expansion in the first place is alarming the, the, the expansion was the 45 car but but remember the 45 car is also the one that has hyvee supermarkets as a the sponsor. Big sponsor yeah, yeah the sponsors have been kind of rearranged more than the numbers have for this team but RLL spent four or five years as that. Are they the next member of the big insert number here? Mm. Um, there was a couple years where they really should have had a a real shot at the five hundred. When it was Ray Hall and Sato together, Ray Hall and Sato. Mm. I mean, Sato actually did, won one. <laughs> yeah, Sato won one, and Ray Hall, were it not for a, a wheel a finger trouble in the pit stops, mm. was on the strategy that would have won him a five hundred. Oh, yeah. He was on the right strat. Um, but it just feels like they, they expanded. They ran before they could walk. They expanded to an additional car. They didn't have the staff to support three cars. And everyone suffered because of it. Yeah. You know what to that I say is that at the height of Graham Rahal being a title challenger, he, he begged for more help around him, even if it upstaged him. And now he's got two cars in the garage. And now they've just had to do an, a massive recruitment drive to bring in people like Steve Erickson and Stefano Sordo as a race engineer to help make sure that it all runs well. Say so Steve Erickson's a fantastic pickup. Used to run, uh, used to run Honda Performance Development. Yeah, big name, big name to have there in the back. Um, so this 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 team knows they stank last year. They know they probably weren't ready for the expansion in the end, and um, they were stretched, and they know they're stretched, so they had the recruiting drive. So at least they know what the problems are. That's already half the battle. We know that they are a top six, seven sort of um, team when it comes to cars at their best, because that's what they were roughly doing when it was Ray Hall and Sato a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. that's their upside at the moment. I don't see any reason why they couldn't get back there. And talking about Christian Lungard for a minute, I completely agree with what RJ says in his notes. If he gets if he gets the ovals down, he's going to be a top 10 driver in the series this, 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 this coming season. Man on road and street courses is outstanding 
for a rookie. If IndyCar had a more stringent uh, disciplinary policy when it comes to cars falling foul of all of their technical checks, Christian Lungard is a race winner. And I don't even think he's going to need that sort of help this year because, my God, he's talented. Remember, this was once the guy that was the top-tier Alpine Academy can't-miss F1 prospect in Formula 2, and then he got all the bad batches of Mechachrome engines. Just like yep. another guy we'll talk about soon. Yeah, I mean, the the team knows, they know what they need to fix. Question is, can they fix it? As a side note, Catherine Legg is back for the 500. That's Woo! fucking right. Catherine Legg is back for the Indianapolis 500, her first attempt at it in 10 years. Yes, oh, we love to see it. Finally, a v- victim of the Lotus IndyCar program. Ugh. Absolutely deserved better. Go kick some ass on the 500, Catherine. The streets yeah. never forget that Catherine Legg in the Atlantic Championship was winning races, which was something that Danica Patrick didn't even do in the same series. We'll always have her performance in that Delta wing at the Rolex. Catherine Legg can wheel. Um, she's a genuinely fantastic driver and fantastic to get more female representation back in the series. And as Jason points out in the chat, She's in car number 44. What could possibly go wrong? Hashtag blessed. Blessed indeed. Lewis, bless that car. Like You're a diversity guy. We've got a woman in your car number. Go for it. Bless Catherine Leg for us, please. We'd, we'd love to see it. He's, he's, he's got to bless his own car this year at this point. <laughs> Subject of Formula One, let's talk about Andretti Autosport. Um, and the key question, and your key question was, what the fuck? And mine is, you got knocked on your ass last year. What you going to do about it? There's this, no man. sugarcoating Andretti Autosport. They're in a they bad were, place. They were horrible last year. Yeah, uh, their standards especially, it wasn't good. Yeah, there were flashes they, of good shit, but... There were flashes of good shit because the raw driving talent behind the wheel, car number 29 uh, aside, I will take the the place of Ryan Eric King on this podcast. Mm. Um, the driving talent, when they weren't hitting each other, is not the problem. Immense. The problem was everything else. Reliability, consistency, crashes. Like- the dr- all four drivers hitting each other at one point. Intra-team turmoil. Michael Andretti looking like he was about to sock Alexander Rossi right in the nose. And his dad. (laughs) And his dad. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And the cherry on top was Colton Herta having the terrible, no good, and very bad Indy 500 last season. Yeah, And it cost him a Formula One super license. Yeah. It's it's a weird time to be Andretti right now. We all know what their aspirations are. They want a Formula One team. They are twerking hard at Formula One management. Please, Daddy, let us into F1. Um, and, well, it doesn't help that their house at home is currently on fire. They have one guy who was in the top 10 of the championship last year. They have one guy who was an IndyCar race winner, and that's Colton Herter. We all know how good Colton Herter is. He's a phenomenal talent. He's also still, I think, a bit raw and still a little bit rough around the edges as a driver, but his upside is as good as anyone's in this series, as far as I'm concerned. There has been occasions where he has looked like the fastest dude in the sport, bar none. We all know what he's capable of. It's just Andretti has let him down, and Herta would be the first person to admit that. Um, 
and yeah, the rest of the team is. It's 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 this question marks here. Remain well, Rose. Don't, I, th- like, I think they are an incredibly interesting team because yes, yeah. the twenty seven car Kyle Kirkwood is free. The shackles he's of got AJ the Ford parachute. He's got the fucking parachute, baby, mm. and he's Un- putting it to good use because he was fastest at the first day of the thermal club test. Uh, first day in a car worth a damn fastest overall. Mm. We know Kyle Kirkwood. We know what he's capable of. Really, and compared to previous years, Andretti isn't that big of an upgrade going into the season. Right. And the 28 car, you have Romain Grosjean. Centerpiece of basically all controversy in IndyCar last year, even though for all of the talk about his aggression, that kind of aggression is just commonplace these days in IndyCar. Yeah. Um, And Devlin G. Francesco. Moving on. Um, <laughs> At least the checks are still clearing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, raw driving talent. They are as good as anyone in this field. Absolutely, they've got the best, arguably the best relationship with Honda out of anyone in this field. And it just—you've been able to see the last couple of years. Every year, it just gets a little worse and a little worse. And last year it was like the bottom fell out. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, this is a team that I think could be really good next year. It could also be dreadful. I don't know where, I don't know what's going to happen. Herta can win a title. He can also finish in 10th. Grosjean can win races in this series. He's, especially on road and street courses, he's exceptional. Ovals, jury's still out on on him, in, in my humble opinion. He did ruin his season by having a dreadful 500 by binning it there, which did not help himself. Kirkwood, we all know the upside, exceptional talent. How he's going to fit in this mold remains to be seen. We have to wait and see. I'm optimistic, about the, I'm optimistic, I'm optimistic about Kirkwood, but that 20, that's Alex Rossi's seat. Alex yeah, Rossi has challenged for a championship and won a 500 in this team. <laughs> but Alex, no matter how, as, as, as you put it, losing Alex Rossi, uh, from a talent, it's always a downgrade. He's, he's, he's exceptional, Alex. I mean, we know how good he can be. But you have to think that Alex Rossi and Andretti were really just about done with each other. Clearly. Even going into last season. I mean, you couldn't get a more toxic teammate dynamic than what Rossi had with everyone else in Andretti. He yes. clashed with Colton. He clashed with Romain Grosjean to the point where he was tr- deliberately trying to take Roman out of a race. Yeah, they were not even on speaking terms by the end of their time together. <laughs> yeah. Um, that kind of vitriol in your team is not sustainable. No. But you also lost Alex Rossi, who can wheel. Top 10 driver in the field, can win championships, can win almost any given if race he- on paper. He can win championships when he gets out of his own way. Yes. That is my question for Andretti. Can you get out of your own way this mm. year and give Colton Herta not just a shot at the 500 because we know he's fast around Indianapolis. I mean, that that pole duel between him and Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon two mm-hmm. years ago um, was incredible to watch. You need to give Colton something where he is not driving at 11 tenths to get speed out of it. Right. Because Colton Herta can live at 11 tenths 
until he can't. Yeah. It's not an ideal place to be. And amazingly, Hertha still hasn't won the overall race yet. Worth pointing out. Just just thought I'd throw that one out I there. That is weird. It's, I think it's going to... I was very bullish on Colton Hurdle last year, and it did not work out. But but I still believe that this dude can go out there and win any given weekend. Look I, at I the agree. save that he made in the Grand Prix at Indy last year. The one of the best I've ever seen. But the problem is, RJ, is that he's having to he's having to basically be the Monka steer gif all the time to get pace out of these cars. He needs Andretti needs to give him the equipment to not have to live over the edge. Agreed. Like like how we talk about Mark Marquez having to just subjugate an uncooperative bike into working. Yeah, just going over the limit. Soon. Yeah, living having to live over the limit. Andretti needs to supply these guys equipment on the level of Ganassi, on the level of Penske, because we know what their drivers are capable of. Yeah, absolutely. Quick note about the 2023 calendar. It's basically exactly the same as last year. Continuity. Um, <laughs> Continuity. A quick rundown. They start next weekend, March 5th at St. Pete, and then they take a month off immediately. Fantastic. We love that about this series. Fuck's sake. Um, April 2nd, uh, Texas um, for the one, for one of four ovals on the year. Um, the, the Texas Indy 375. Um, if it's anything like last year, that should be fun. Um, Long Beach, as usual, top of the slot in the middle of April, April 16th. Then we go to uh, RJ's backyard. Uh, Barber. My old backyard. Uh, it's all backyard, I should say. April 30th um, for the Alabama Indy Grand Prix at Barber. Then we have the month of May, of course, the uh, road course race on May 13th. The 107th front end of the Indy 500 um, will be on May 28th this year. Um, and traditionally, we're going back to Detroit a week after, but it'll be the brand new Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix at their new street circuit. That'll be on June 4th. Then we have Road America, my favorites. I do love the Road America race, June 18th um, on that one. Then we've got a bit of a summer break. We've got uh, a couple of weeks off there, and then we're going to mid-Ohio for the Honda Indy 200 there. Two weeks later, Toronto on July 16th. And then two races again at Iowa, um, the High V IndyCar 250 and 300, the second race being 300 miles long, a little bit longer. Um, apparently Ed Sheeran performing down there next year, so that'll be fun for your interview music. And it's no uh, sack. The f- <laughs> oh, dear. Um, then Nashville is back for another clunky game of Tetris on August 6th. Um, six days <laughs> later, uh, we've got a second indie road course race. I think that's going to be the NASCAR double as well. On it August is. 12th. That is it will, the Brickyard double. Yeah, so that'll be on the Saturday, August 12th. Just worth bearing in mind for that one. Um, August 27th, we've got the Gateway uh, 500 there, but uh, Bomberito Automotive 500 there at Gateway. So I, I guess technically it's five oval races rather than it's four oval weekends. Five oval races on four different ovals. Yep. Um, Portland is back in the penultimate slot on September 3rd because it's a, it's a triple header to close out the year. And then the final round of the year, the Grand Prix of Monterey at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, the season finale on September the 10th. It's basically the exact same calendar as last year, a couple of different locations. But besides that, pretty much the same as last 
last year. 17 rounds in total, five overall races, um, and then 12 road and street, two visits to Indianapolis's road course as well. So they seem to have kept that uh, that summer indie road course slot over the after the uh, pandemic and made them uh, go there four times in a year, which I thought was quite funny. Um, should we get into the big hitters, gentlemen? That's right. Let's get in the big three, and we're going to start with Aaron McLaren, no longer Aaron McLaren SP. Pato Award returns to lead the team. Felix Rosenquist is back somehow after being the other guy involved in the big contractual dispute from last year. And as mentioned, they've added Alexander Rossi, a perfectly balanced seventh, eighth, and ninth in the standings last year, all Mm -hmm. in one roof. Yep, they've expanded to three cars. Felix is now in the number six car. Alex Rossi is in the seven car. And, well, for McLaren, it's a familiar story. We've been, we've kind of been saying this for the last three years about them. Pato Award is an incredible talent. I say this as someone where Colton Herter was getting F1 hype last year and genuine opportunity to potentially be in an F1 car. And I'm sitting there going, Pato Award's right there, Zach. Pato Award is right fucking there as one of the best all-round drivers in this series, a guy who can win anything. Demon over and ovals, I forgot to add as well. He's a fantastic oval racer. He is such a well-rounded driver and likable. He is everything that this He's team adorable. needs. I love this man. I mean, he is my favorite driver in IndyCar now James Hinchcliffe is gone. Um, I love Palo, and I've never rooted for a McLaren guy before in my life, but here we Ray are. He just likes drivers with number five, doesn't he? I do like the number five. It's a good number. Uh, if, I, if I do say we'll, we'll just skip over the NASCAR thing. We'll skip over the NASCAR yeah. thing. We'll, <laughs> yeah. talk about Felix, we'll talk about Felix Rosenquist because, well, well Felix, he's back. Felix was a dead man walking until the 500 last year. And we all, like, like it, I, I blame Jenna Fryer for this because she was the first one that put it out there that Polo might be going to McLaren. And we all thought she was talking gobbledygook until she turns out she was actually on the money. Um, just not in the way that we knew it. <laughs> um, and we all, and honestly, the problem is it still kind of looks like that now because everyone and their mother now is now openly acknowledging, yeah, Polo's probably going there next year. Um, they were I would, able. I would cut probably from that sense. Yeah, Polo is almost certainly going to be in the six car next year, in where Felix is, and it and Felix. I feel so bad for the man. The man drove so well in the second half of last season to essentially save his IndyCar career. It was like, no, don't put me in a Formula E seat, please. Um, and he was able to do it. He got fourth in the 500. He was able to carry on those results all through last year, was right behind Pato by the end of the year, um, did enough to keep his job, um, kept his seat after the Polo dispute was settled. Um, but he still feels like a dead man walking because they've made this effort to go to three cars. They have been teasing it for a couple of years. They've got the third car. They've got a superb driver for Ad- uh, like Alex Rossi. If that's your third guy, like yeah, your floor sh- is Alexander Rossi. Holy shit! Um, like Alex Rossi is an incredible driver. We all know how good he can be, and that's your third guy. That's your safety net. Just like, added Gavin Ward to your to your race director position to replace Taylor Kyle after you threw Taylor Kyle under the bus. He, he was too yeah. busy. He, he was Taylor Kyle got thrown under the bus, and he's gone home to be a, a girl dad. We love girl dads here, but unfortunately, he's gone. Ho- his home is in Chip Ganassi Racing's headquarters. Apparently so. 
it's it, it's it was a sh- it was a short bus ride over. Um, but I mean, <laughs> and keep this- in mind as well, the only Chevrolet team worth a damn at the five hundred last year. The only team giving Ganassi anything to think about in the final stages. I don't That's care. Right. What, I, I don't care what they say. Pato should have won the five hundred last year. If, if, Pato, did- if Pato didn't make a business decision at turn one. He probably steals that 500 from right under Chip's nose. Here, here, yeah, we talk. We just talked about Ed Carpenter Racing having the quickest Chevrolet powered cars at the 500. Two, two McLaren ago, is the best, did. the best it Chevrolet powered team at the 500 until proven otherwise. Is Aero McLaren, and they just added an Indianapolis 500 winner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the it, guy who is in the right equipment at the 500, an absolute wrecking machine, demon. Like he, like there is no more guy who flirts on that line of aggression at the 500 better than Alex Rossi. Um, we all know what he's capable of, but for that very reason, I also am saying here, there's no excuses anymore. You've got three cars. You've got all the resources under the sun with your new factory. You've expanded. We all know how big your F1 unit is. We all know you've made big moves. You've tied Pato down for another three years. You've brought in Alex Rossi. You've got Gavin Ward under under your own roof now. You have all the ingredients. Make the dish. There's no no excuses. You've got arguably one of the best drivers in this series. Like, Pato Award is... No, no, no. You have two of the best drivers in the series and one person who's, like, maybe a quarter step behind. Yeah. And in the second half of last year, drove to save his job. Yeah. You've got a race winner in Phoenix Rosenquist. Point blank. Again, that really might be your flaw. And if that's your flaw, Phoenix answered the critics as to what the problem with Aaron McLaren was in 2021. And that was, it was a one-car outfit. Phoenix was right there at the end of the season. You've got no excuses now. We are now no longer evaluating Arrow McLaren in the context of plucky contender. We are now evaluating McLaren in the context of you should be challenging for a championship. This is what they you, you all, have, this is what they wanted to be since McLaren bought in this team. This is it. Uh, yeah. You have three drivers who can win on any given weekend. Correct. Um, on almost any given try, I mean, Alex Rossi is good everywhere when he's in the right headspace. Pato Award is good everywhere. Again, maybe a little harsh on his tires, but that got that definitely got better last year compared to the previous year. He makes that next step again. Ooh, ooh, they're looking good. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention. Tony Kanaan Sayonara Tour. And he might have a chance to win the 500. Tony Kanaan will retire after this year's Indy 500. And One last ride. Out, he will go out with McLaren SP. Or, sorry, Aero McLaren. He will go out with McLaren, his final race in IndyCar as a family. Um, <laughs> okay, Dom. This, this is the retirement tour that he wanted in 2020 until COVID happened. He wasn't going to retire in front of no people in the grandstands. Yep. And, yep. But, but there's a problem I'm looking at here. Mm. You have, from people who were there <laughs> last year, Pato Award and Felix Rosenquist did not even remotely challenge for the title. No. And that was with having an exceptional, the best 500s outside of, of course, Marcus Erickson. Yeah. Kind of says a lot about the rest of their season, don't it? 
Panama Ward breaking. Panama Ward had issues. yeah, yeah. Panama Ward had four DNFs last season that were not his fault. That's two hundred points off the table before you even started. They they need to uh, they need to cross their T's and dot their eyes because the the ceiling is the ceiling is immeasurable. Mm-hmm. But if you keep having the little reliability issues and occasional mistakes from pit crew and occasionally driver you're never going to get to that ceiling at that level they will be exposed for those errors it's as simple as that if you leave an opening ganassi and penske will eat you alive and that is just how indycar has worked forever correct chip ganassi racing this is an interesting setup um numbers eight to eleven across their four cars this season they're yet yeah, they are running four cars again marcus erickson is back last year's indy 500 winner we all know mr consistency mr consistency um scott dixon in the number nine car do i need further explanation um number 10 2021 season champion alex polo back for what's almost certainly his final season at chip ganassi racing and in the number 11 car no more jimmy He's gone back to NASCAR part-time. We've got a split package between Marcus Armstrong, the former Formula 2 driver, who'll be taking on the road and street courses and returning to the Indy 500 and all the ovals over the course of the season. Not now, Sato! Um, He just gave Takuma Sato a Ganassi car for the Indy 500. God help us all. (laughs) What the fuck were the rest of you not thinking? What the hell is wrong with you people? How on earth did any of you let... How did you all let this happen? I'm looking at every single person in the room. If if I had all of IndyCar's bosses in the room besides Chip, I'd be saying, guys, the fuck? Uh, it's Takuma Sato. Um, it's one of the best 500 runners of all time. Um, one of the best oval racers of all time, period. He, he's won two Indy 500s, and he had to rip them out of the hands of Elio Castroneves and Scott Dixon, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> Takuma Sato is that dude. What dude? That dude. The, like, again, Chip Ganassi are still those dudes. They're plan C on the 500. Correct. Let's not forget, Dixon was one mile an hour away last season from probably doubling up the 500 and the Aster Cup. It was that mistake that cost Dixon arguably everything. And Polo lost the lap due to an unlucky yellow, and he was the second fastest guy at Indianapolis all in the month of May. He was shadowing Dixon. I mean, Scott Dixon had what was, by his standards, a pretty crap year. Yeah. He finished third in the championship. (laughs) (laughs) Average finish of eight. Oh, no, third overall. Dreadful year. Uh, Terrible. He's washed. He doesn't have it anymore. Are we forgetting that at the 500, Polo had one of the greatest qualifying runs in Indy 500 history for about 10 minutes? (laughs) Yeah, and then uh, then Dixon said, bet. (laughs) When Alex Polo, who's one of the nicest dudes in IndyCar, can only turn his head and laugh, (laughs) you know how special Chip Ganassi was at the 500 last year. They had a fleet. It was literally a fleet. They had five contenders for that champion for that championship title of the 500, and Plan C won the damn race. We all thought that Dixon and Polo had blown it. Marcus Erickson was like, "I got you, Chief. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it." <laughs> with the uh, with the outlap of the gods, 
Yeah, drove around the McLarens like they had four flat tires. Unbelievable. I, mean, I remember just texting my my coworker who uh, she's also into the five hundred, and she's just like, "Damn it!" Mm. Watching the watching Dixon speed, but yeah. And yeah, they also little... did what they did in the championship despite absolute turmoil in the team because Alex Pillow and Chip were at war with each other all season. Yeah. They were they were at court with one another and then they weren't. <laughs> yeah. Now, they were on the brink of going to federal court. It was a huge distraction that was the transcendent story not just in IndyCar but in all of motorsport in 2022. This had ramifications on Formula 1. Yeah. Formula we now we now have two factor verification for every driver announcement since. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um God and it, it the fallout is still rolling because as we mentioned in the previous segment, Alex Pelot's probably leaving. Now, why you would leave Chip Ganassi Racing for McLaren, man, uh, I, I can't understand the thinking behind that. However, Alex Pelot was in a team that was at war with him, and he finished fifth in the standings. Again, had an atrocious 500 through no fault of his own. He dropped the whole vending machine and crushed everybody underneath of it at Laguna Seca while all this shit was going down. He, yeah, we, a race he won by 30 seconds. <laughs> I think on raw ability, Alex Pillow is as good as anyone on planet Earth. He's insane. In any series. He's incredible. He's an incredible fucking racing driver. I've called him on this show the magician multiple times because out of fucking nowhere, he'll he'll just be, oh, I'm second now. Hi guys, what's up? Um, like I'm just like, how does Polo keep doing this? Um, That's it's pretty much Scott Dixon too. That's he, always been, he, been Scott for years. I've I was going to say, he yeah. stole Scott Dixon's fuel-saving tricks last year for a couple of races. I, I've said it numerous times. Like, he is Dixon 2.0. Do you know how terrifying a prospect that is for IndyCar for the next 15 years? Like, that is a, a terrifying thought. That Like, Polo would have won three or four rounds last year if it wasn't for Scott McLaughlin. More on him later, because he was the one guy in front of him on three occasions. Um, and like, like Those I said, two went to fucking war a couple times. Oh, they did. They get two incredible talents. And like I said, plan C, Marcus Ericsson. That's your floor. Marcus Ericsson was sixth overall and was in title contention, led the championship for three quarters of the season, just ran out of steam at the end. But... Marcus Erickson is a damn good driver in this series. I don't care yeah. what you tell me. Yeah, when when they announced the Sato signing, people were just like, oh man, that's it. Marcus Erickson's never going to have another sniff of success. Like, dude, Marcus Erickson just went quickest in the second day of the thermal test. That's it. Marcus is just, as much as, much as we would poke fun at him you know, in the past, he every year is just a little better. Yeah. And, and eventually you keep getting a little better. Well, eventually you're the best. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you don't win an Indy 500 by mistake. Indeed. That, that's just a fact of life in IndyCar. And while others made mistakes or ran into bad luck, you know, sometimes the sometimes one of these legendary races picks you. Mm -hmm. His teammate who beat the field black and blue all day cost himself the win. That's how it and goes. Erickson still had to go take it from the two McLarens. He did, and 
Marcus was top 10 in every single practice session at the month of May. It, it was no fluke. And anyone who says it was a fluke is doing Marcus a disservice, probably due to F1-related stigma. That's your flaw. I'm very curious to see how Marcus Armstrong gets along on the road and the street courses oh, in the 11 card as well. Like, oh, noted, ho- noted host of the Screaming Meals podcast, Marcus Armstrong. Who let a podcaster drive an IndyCar anyway? It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible idea. I don't recommend it. Um, but but, but the, look, I don't even really care because given that how good eight, nine, and ten are in their respective seats, Armstrong's playing with house money. As far as I'm concerned, if if he's up there as well, fucking cancel Christmas. Like, so that's the thing about Ganassi, isn't it? Is that every car is good now. There was oh, a yeah. long time for Ganassi where you would have Dixon. Dixon just driving out of his mind and the rest of Ganassi was fairly anonymous. Yeah, there was there were there was a time, especially in the early 2010s, where I, what we love us and Charlie Kimball's a nice dude, but it was clear that he was very much a B team Ganassi driver. Same with Matt Shilton when he was there. Same with Graham Ray Hall was there before he reunited. With RJ, there team. was there were times Dario Franchitti used to make Scott Dixon look anonymous. Remember, God that, damn it. that dude Mm -hmm. but you know that is the thing that ganassi has done with their uh with their expansion is that every car is good every car is a i mean tony kanan were at a one-off for the 500 last year and was fighting for the win at the end he was third at the end (laughs) he finished third 47 year old tony kanan was third last year and had a genuine shot at the win like that was plan E. <laughs> it's like the, it, it, he was the break glass in case of emergency option. <laughs> and he was third. <laughs> oh, it, it, Chip Ganassi is nuts. Let's meet their competition. Team Penske. Oh, boy. First, second, and fourth in the standings last year. We all know the drill. Willpower, reigning series champion. In the 12 car, I'd like to remind you his average finish was five last year. I just want to point that out one more time. Um, absolutely fucking bulletproof consistency pretty much all year long, despite only having one win. Joseph Newgarden, who must be really sick and tired of finishing second, runner-up three years in a row in this series now, and what having won five races last season. And some guy called Scott McLaughlin, who won multiple times on road and street courses. Oh, by the way, I put the point out. No one scored more points on road and street courses last season than Scott McLaughlin, who was fourth in the championship. The if he nails down ovals, and he's not even bad at ovals, he's just not as good as his competition. <laughs> cancel Christmas, cancel Hanukkah, cancel the whole damn season. Dude, but, it's, it's wild. But here's the problem. Yes, you pour in blood, sweat, and tears, and then you lose to Penske. Unless it's the Indy 500, where they've been pants for years. They've not had a good Indianapolis, a consistently good 500 from, from practice to time trials to the race since 2019. Yeah, Pagano's, was, was that, was that, that was Pagano's win, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, was Pagano win. Beat, mm-hmm. For the entire month of May, was just beating the field black and blue. Yeah, Russell and Pagano won. Power and Pagano won consecutive years in 2018 and 2019, and they've been fine but not great since. And that's I'm going to hard enough. disagree on that. 
In 2020, they were unwatchably poor. Now, a lot of that was on Chevy. 21, the only driver competitive was Pagano. 22, mm-hmm. well... Nowhere. N- n- not as bad as 2020, but just didn't really feature at all. Nope. This is but, the track mm-hmm. they own. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing about it is, is that it might not actually hurt them as much if they are bad at the 500 this year because in one of the major structural changes there is no longer double points at the 500 it is going to be scored like any other indycar race going forward hey remember the time not that long ago when this round was basically triple points because they scored qualifying like a full race like <laughs> that was like over 160 points on the 500 alone a few years ago. They've gone from essentially triple points to double points and a finned down top nine for qualifying now to single points with, again, nine points as a bonus for pole. Dre, you know, how, do you pers- how do you personally feel about that? Um, It's a weird one because for me, I am generally the sort of person that says, if you're going to double point certain rounds, go all the way with it. And they, like, IndyCar has scaled back on that uh, 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 in the time I've been a fan, because I was I started becoming a fan of IndyCar when there was double points on the finale as well, and that was often at um, Infineon Raceway. Um, now, oh, good old Sonoma. Um, they got rid of that a few years ago, as I said before, the 500 used to be qualifying was treated like a race in terms of scoring. And then the 500 was double points. And for a series that makes absolutely no bones about the 500 being the real grand prize, like I actually was kind of okay with them having it as double points. Um, I think it's crafty as fuck from Roger Penske that they've gone. Saying, it's something that we've been asking for for years. However, kind of funny how that works. Yeah, it's funny that, that now that Roger Penske owns the series and owns the Speedway, that now they've gone to single points on the 500. It's like, they, it's like they've gone family feud in reverse. Um, and, and now it's only single points for the 500, which would actually mitigate their season from being a total disaster if they which have a bad 500. Be, which would be so funny if they had a great 500, but then the best opportunity on double points cost any one of their drivers a championship. I'm going to be sick. That means Joseph Newkirk's finishing runner-up again. Oh, boy. Like, do I, I don't even need to go into much detail about their quality of driver. It's fucking Penske. Willpower is a juggernaut, can win on anything, anywhere, the new improved anytime. willpower, the Zen Master, the, the new, Zen Master willpower, the uh, new Grand Pole winner. Yeah, <laughs> yes. um, just punishing consistency across last year. There was no matter how bad his day got, he would find a way to just bring it back. Exactly, Mid Ohio. Uh, Indeed. He'll find a way. He always does. And this is a guy who's now so zen with himself. He was talking about how to get better for 2023 during his own wedding night. Um, like it, it's it's crazy. Like Willpower is now so zen. He, like apparently at the uh at the test the other day, he actually forgot he was series champion. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. He actually forgot that he won the title. He's this that laid back about it now. Like Zen Master Power is a scary thought. Joseph Newgarden, despite 
multiple crew chiefs and engineers, team reshuffles. And he's going to have another one this year. Still that dude. Like, Joseph Newgarden, you can make a very strong case, is the best driver in this entire series. Joseph Newgarden is going to have another new race engineer this season. Uh, Luke Mason, coming, uh, former Carlin guy, uh, coming it, over to follow Gavin Ward. Isn't that his third one in three years? That's right. It's his third one in three years. And, like it just it just hasn't mattered because Joseph's just that fucking good. <laughs> it's just like it just doesn't matter. Like Joseph is just insanely good. Um but as mentioned, won five races last year, won an extra five hundred thousand dollars for winning the IndyCar triple crown last year of winning on all three major disciplines. The only man in the field to do that last season. He's Joseph Newgarden. He can win anywhere. It doesn't matter <laughs> like at this point. Like if New Garden has the upside and has, you know, working rear suspension um, throughout the season. I say he is a right rear suspension failure away from a championship last year. Yeah. He must be really sick and tired of finishing runner up at Penske. To and you know what else. else he's sick and tired of? He's getting sick and tired of burgeoning into old man without a Borg Warner trophy territory. Oh, yeah. But the problem is, RJ, is he hasn't even looked like winning one so far. Yeah. And Especially like, uh, not uh, with Penske's struggles at the 500. Which is amazing, because everywhere else he might be the best overrunner in the field now. Yeah, but there's no oval like Indy. Exactly. It's, just, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the, the one we used to have was Pocono, and even there, like, he was good, but he would usually get outperformed by Pagano and Power. What about this others? one on the outskirts of Los Angeles near a steel mill? Uh, something called Auto Club Speedway. Wait a minute, they're doing what? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. If I talk about it, I'll lose my mind. Scott McLaughlin, um, decent driver. Um, the project, Mc- the project work. The project is the project is practically done at this point. I mean, Scott McLaughlin was again like an especially poor 500 away from being a closer championship uh, challenger. It, it wasn't so much the 500. It was Detroit that did him in. Where, where he, he, he hit the wall and then that put him out of the race. And that's, I think, what really did McLaughlin in last season. Um, just that dreadful month of May across the board, which it was like... McLaughlin was right there. As I said, he won multiple races last season. Nobody did better on road and street tracks than McLaughlin did last year. Like He crashed out of the 500. Yeah, didn't help either. Um, remind me, RJ, um, didn't Roger Penske say that McLaughlin reminded him of someone when he first got there? Like, I want to say it was Rick Mears. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty big comparison compared to a four time Indianapolis 500 winner. McLaughlin is that dude. McLaughlin is terrifyingly fast. And remember, he's only done two full seasons. <laughs> he's only going to get better. And yeah, like. Again, he finished, uh, let us look in here, out of 33 cars, he finished 29th at the 500. He finished behind Jimmy Johnson, who also didn't finish. Yeah, the 500 was a rock. He basically scored zero points through May, and he was still a contender until the final round. Yeah, because Power, who ended up winning the championship, was 15th, got 32 points out of it. That's I basically mean, a third place. Yeah. Under normal scoring. If you are being compared to Rick Mears, and for those of you who might be unfamiliar with Rick Mears, go look up his finishing record because he is 
beyond extraordinary. One of the greatest racing drivers of all he was, time. He's one of the greatest racing drivers after a debilitating foot injury. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his potential was higher, and he still fulfilled it. Yes. Um, Scott McLaughlin is him, especially on road and street courses. If he can put together just a mid-500, he'll be right he up might, there. He, he might just sneak one over the uh the the born and raised in IndyCar drivers there. Yeah. He's 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 on that level now. It's obvious he's on that level now. Penske will always have three bullets in the chamber, but can they get the five hundred down? And even if they don't, it might not matter so much now, which is funny how that works out. I was gonna say all of their drivers had an objectively mid to awful five hundred. Power won the championship, New Garden finished second, and McLaughlin finished fourth. Right. Okie dokie. Let's get into the killer questions before we get out of here. First up from RJ O'Connell, who wins the Indy Next Championship? Um, it's a it's a loaded field. It's a it's the biggest it's, field. It's we've one had. of the best fields we've had. I want to say since twenty sixteen. Mm. Um, there's a lot of names we could go up and down this list. Um, obviously, Jamie Chadwick's the one that's getting all the attention. Kiffin Simpson being a Ganassi development driver. I want to look at a young man, Nolan Siegel, in the number 39 car, the HMD Motorsports with Dale Coyne racing car. Mm. Uh, he was fourth in Indy Pro 2000 last year, but that doesn't tell the whole story. He was a title contender for pretty much three quarters of the season. I watched this dude wheel, uh, just drive the shit out of an LMP3 car at Daytona, and then damn near win three races at the Asia Le Mans series at the, in the LMP2 class. He's 18 years old. He's making his debut that is my dude that I'm picking for the for the Indy Nets title, and that's Nolan Siegel. Um, I'm I'm split between two, and I think they're both going to be out of the Andretti camp, and it's not Chadwick. Um, I do find it funny that Sky Sports all of a sudden got the rights for Indy Next for this upcoming season. Funny that. Um, must have been part of the package deal. Um, <laughs> but um, I think. Hunter McElroy is going to be one to watch. Everybody else around him in Indy Lights last year got promoted or unfortunately missed out on a job. Paul Enos. Um, so he's kind of walking into this situation as favorite. I also want to give a shout out to Louis Foster, who won in the, the Pro 2000 category last year and dominated that championship. Um, I think Foster could go back to back. I think he's certainly going to be one to watch out for 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 King and Country. Um, as, as as far as I would say, I would say I would say Louis Foster is certainly one to watch next year. Hmm. I'm going to go McElroy. Absolutely a valid pick. <laughs> McElroy was really good last year. Um, he was already getting talked about potentially going to IndyCar full-time last year. Um, Nolan Siegel embarrassed Neil Yanni, a former LeMar winner and world endurance champion in equal machinery. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that dude's got, he's got a little bit of it in him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who will be rookie of the year? Oh. So you're talking Stingway Rob, Benjamin Pedersen, Canapino, or Marcus Armstrong. Can Marcus Armstrong beat all of these dudes while missing five races? Romain Grosjean almost pulled it off. Mm. Ray Rob for me. 
I'm I'm gonna go out there on a on a far out there limb, and I'm gonna say Canapino by a little bit. Okay. I'm actually gonna go with Canapino as well. I would go Armstrong all day, every day, but I think he's gonna miss too many races. Five's too many, man. I I I can't see how he gets that. He'd have to be insanely good, like Lundard good out of the box. And I'm not sure he's got that in him, but we'll have to wait and see. I'll um, say he is better than his F2 track record being stuck down the Ferrari Driver Academy death chart will indicate. Agreed. Most improved driver. I am going to go. Hmm. This is interesting. I'm going to go Kyle Kirkwood. Because it, it has to be better than last year, and he's in better equipment, and we can see he's got speed in this equipment. What do you reckon, RJ? Callum Eilat is going to win his first race at some point wow. this season. Whoa! Oh, boy. I wouldn't go that high on the list. I'm going to say David Malukas. I think Malukas gets on the podium. I'm not going to say he's going to win. <laughs> But I think an, at least two podium finishes from David Malukas in 2023. Mm. So I'd say David Malukas. He was 16th overall last year. I think he's. I think he can get in the top 12. We are fading both the Frenchmen here in this debate, although they really should be candidates for most improved driver of the year. Agreed. Which 500 ringer puts on the best performance? So of all the, the part-time 500 runners, we're looking at Takuma Sato, Ed Carpenter, Tony Kanaan, Catherine Legg, Marco Andretti, we forgot, is going to be back for the 500 this year with Andretti, and Stefan Wilson as well. Takuma Sato might win the whole damn thing. It's very, it's very <laughs> like, possible. Th- this will be arguably the best equipment Sato has ever had at the 500. It's going to be his best equipment since the 2016, or uh, sorry, 2017 win with Andretti, where Andretti were dominant at the 500 all month. Are we, are we all picking Takuma Sato? Um, TK. Ooh. One last ride. One last ride as a family. Um, uh, so- if if Tony Kanan could go out as Indy 500 champion. Oh, God. No. What, what, what an end to a truly incredible career. I think it's something like 360 starts if you combine his champ car runs with his IndyCar series runs. He's the true Iron Man of this series. And I mean, one of, one of the names that helped propel this sport through a really, really poor time. A yes. time where the, the continued health of American open wheel racing was up for debate every year. He was one of the stars at the front of the field pretty much every race uh it will be his 390th start wow combine and if you combine his indy car runs and his champ car runs it'll be 390 it'll be his 390th start which is more than anyone has ever had an f1 just to put into perspective as to how what a mainstay of north american motorsport Tony Kanaan has been over the last two and a half decades. This is, I think, the 26th season that Tony Khan has taken part. Tony Khan has taken part in. Almost a Tony Khan there, like I'm watching AEW. Um, not <laughs> ideal. Um, <laughs> but I, I think TK under the McLaren banner. McLaren have got a good setup for the 500. I think it's going to be TK. I've got, I've got a feeling TK is going to go down honorably with a top five finish. 
I really do. And I think we'll all be very emotional and upset because who doesn't who doesn't love Tony Kanaan in IndyCar? Well, as you see, there there is a problem with our prediction, RJ. What's, What's that? that? Takuma Sato is either going to run really damn well at the 500. Or Bennett. it. Or Bennett. Or somebody else is going to bid it for him. What's up, Davison? Uh, 500 oh, pole position God. winner. <laughs> 500 pole position. Dixon. Dixon. I I don't want to put it on Dixon because you know what that means for the 500 later. <laughs> uh, We've been here before. We have been We're here, here every year. Uh, put me down for a for a cheeky. Uh, put me down for a cheeky Colton Herta win pole position in one of these things. Ooh. Oh my god! Bold. Down bad for anything at the five hundred. And then who wins the race? Dare I say it? Go on. Say Alex Pillow. He's been too good every year at this race. Fucking good at everything. Who cares? He's good at every. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, I think I think Alex Pillow. Sure. Because alternate universes and all that. Everything at the 500 last year. He can win this race in any given car in any given year. He I just think, needs a, a mistimed yellow to not blow the legs off his chances. I think the Pato Ward will have those extra miles per hour and not make the business decision. I think Pato Award gets his face on the board wearing a trophy. That that was my pick. I was going to say Pato Award. I thought there's no way Pato will back out of it twice. Like he he knew that was his 500. I think he made a business call to think of the Aston Cup in his overall season rather than risk it all on hanging it around the outside and hoping that Marcus plays ball. I think it's Pato Award this year. I really do think he is between him and Newgarden. The, are the two best oval runners in this series, and New Garden struggles at super speedways. Um, if you, I think, you, you two just bet against Ganassi at the five hundred. It's bold. It's bold. I admit, but you know, look, watch out! Watch how this be the year that Dixon wins at a canter and finally gets that second five hundred. He's been dying for for the last sixteen years, um, or something silly like that. Who wins the Asta Cup? My heart Give me really the- wants to go with Colton Herta again, but don't 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 do it to yourself. No, don't, that's painful. Don't, because don't I do have it. to feel like it's now or never if he wants if he wants to graduate to Formula One uh Hollow Life Production uh, Academy or whatever. Joseph Newgarden finally gets number three on the board. Give me the double without any of the contract controversy. Alex Pillow. Wow. Pillow <laughs> doubles up. Wow. I because I mean all of the turmoil in that team, and he was still it for so much of the season. Mm. And he only won once right at the end, too. Yeah. Um God. Um I was tempted to say Dixon here. Because he's just so good over a whole season. It's just Power is right up there. This is there are seven dudes in my head that can win that can win this title. Seven, and I've got to pick one of them. I just have a feeling that he's going to put it all together this year. Scott McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Uh, I knew it the second you said it. I, I, I just got a feeling he's got the road and courses, and he started out 
on ovals better than any rookie I've seen on ovals in quite some time. I think McLaughlin is going to take another leap forward, and I think McLaughlin can win the Astor Cup. Genuinely. <laughs> who was the one guy who could beat Polo on Roden Street courses last year? It was Scott McLaughlin. <laughs> and he did it twice. Yeah. <laughs> Dre, you mentioned that there are seven different dudes that could win the Astor Cup in your head. How many different winners are we going to get this season? I've, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the former bookies guy. I've set the over-under to seven and a half. <laughs> Hammer that over. Hammer that over, baby. <laughs> you reckon over? Uh, I'm going over as well. How many did we get last year? Was it seven? I want to say it was seven. I think we had a whole streak of like seven different winners in the first sample of races. But the, a lot of them got one or two. Um... I'm tempted to go under here. I really am, because I think the Ganassi-Penske block is so strong at the moment. That Last year, uh, race winners, Scott McLaughlin, Joseph Newgarden, Pato Award, Colton Herta, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Alexander Rossi, and Alex Pillow. So we had eight last year. Yep. And that was quite a down year by IndyCar standards. I was um, going to say a lot of it was just uh, the three Penske guys rampaging on the season. That's why I'm tempted to go under, because Penske will still probably win seven or eight rounds before we even started. Um, you know what? I'm going to take the under. I think Newgarden and McLaughlin might do what, what we got a lot of last year, where Newgarden won five, and then McLaughlin might get three or four, or and then Power might get one or two, or something like that. I think Penske could easily win ten rounds, and then that makes it harder for everybody else to spread it out to spread it out enough. Um, that's what I think. I'm going to take the under on this one, believe it or not. Um, I think there'll be seven or less. I really do. Um, which is weird because I've, I've also picked Panama Award to win the 500, but here we are. <laughs> um, Lots of I contrarian got... takes on this podcast. But that's what makes us us. It's beautiful. Um, uh, more, more contrarianism than Skip Bayless. Right, let's get out of here. IndyCar season starts on March 5th at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. For you Brits out there, Sky Sports F1 is the place. They have the full season. Um, every race will be on that channel. And now every indie Next race will also be live on Sky Sports F1 this season. So if you're a Jamie Chadwick fan, God knows why, um, you, can, you can watch her too. Isn't that nice? Um, so all of that on Sky Sports F1. America, they split their shit up all over the place. I, I'm not bothered to tell you where that is. Um, but uh, yeah, Varying degrees of NBC and associated NBC networks. Grab the cock on Peacock. Um, oh my God, Dre. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Um, you, can't, you can't say I'm not wrong. Um, but um, that will do it for our IndyCar season preview. I cannot wait for this season to get started. It's going to be incredible. I cannot wait. Um, like I said, starts next Sunday, March 5th from St. Petersburg. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. Until next time. See you at St. Pete. Sayonara. I got in a chauffeured ride just to see Ricky Stenhouse Jr. troll his way to a Daytona 500 victory and then take the <laughs> Harley Earl Trophy. 
to Waffle House. I think Kyle Kirkwood's going to win a race this year. Wow.